Hey guys, don't forget that our November Read and Glow Book Club Book of the Month for November is Before I Let Go by Kennedy Ryan. And let me tell you guys, the book is so good. I can't wait to discuss it with you all. Remember, December 3rd at 8 p.m., we will be meeting to discuss and talk about the book. Also, in the meantime, feel free to reach out about what book you would like to read in December. Can't wait to read with you guys. See you soon. Hey, what's up? My name is DeAndre Kiera, and you are tuned in to an all-new episode of Just Let It Go podcast, starring the queen of schemes. It's like, no, I have no schemes. I have no game, and I, the person that's always going to get in trouble. So I just mind my boring-ass business, but I just started mad. It, uh, but thank you all for tuning in this week. I'm so sorry. I did not intend not to record last week but that la- that day before Thanksgiving hustle and bustle at work is just way too much and I ended up working later and then I had stuff to do to prepare for the holiday and yeah so I had to um not record but I hope you guys enjoyed the last episode and I it's been so much stuff that has happened in the world since I last recorded and it feels like I haven't recorded in like a month because so much developments and stuff happened and even in my personal life like it's just like I'm a total different person than I was two weeks ago if that makes sense like I feel like the last time I recorded I was like super like personally I don't know how it reflected on recording but I just felt like I was just such an emotional being like I was just so freaking moody and now I feel like I'm on like a mood stabilizer, although I'm not. But I am sipping a little cocktail in a can that I had from um, my sister's friend. So it's my first time drinking this. It's a Long Island. I haven't had a Long Island in like six, seven years. So maybe even less, probably like in 10 years, I haven't had like, no, not 10. Probably like I said, a good six or seven no, it's been 10 because I haven't had it since I went to school in Westchester because they, all right, if y'all never heard about this, this is a notorious everything. If you know anybody that went to Westchester University and they're black or they lived in Westchester or their area and they don't tell you that the Rib, which was a bar, had the best Long Island you will ever have on this side of the Mississippi River, they're lying to you. I have not had a Long Island that was as good as theirs. Shout out to the star tenders there because they had the best Long Islands. Don't don't even argue about it. I don't even really, I'm not like an alumni that like want to go up to the campus and stuff often. Like I don't fuck with it like that. Like I never want to be the old bitch on campus trying to get lit or trying to know people. Like I don't go to homecoming or nothing like that. I just don't, don't do it. Um, cause I feel like I'm just, I don't know no fucking body. Like I deal with the people in real life that I do know, but I don't know no fucking body. I was like somebody that stated themselves on campus. So I never have a reason to like try to go to homecoming really. But if they was to do like a reunion and bring the red back, I'd be there. Just get the same bartenders that used to be out there. Bring them girls back. I'll tip them out cause I want them Strawberry and raspberry Long Islands, blueberry, raspberry, Long Islands. They used to be so good. 
I'm pretty sure my old age body can't handle it like I did back when I was like 21, but I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. So, a bit about me. So, celebrated Thanksgiving. It was fun. It was real quiet. How I like it. Quiet. The food. I know everybody thinks they feel weak and cook, but the food was immaculate. Like, I love Thanksgiving with, like, my core family because we all can cook, and that food won't hit every single time. So the food was, like, lit. I made mac and cheese because y'all know I'm that pressure. I made mac and cheese, and it was real good. That was one of my better macaroni and cheese uh, joints, like, I don't know what I was going through that day, but yeah, it was lit. Um, what else? What else happened? I got actually got to like hang out with several of my um, friends in the last week. I got like spent time with my family. I hung out with three of my friends separately that week. Like, uh, like who am I being so fucking social? I went to brunch like three times. Like, who the hell am I? Super social DeAndre. But I really got to catch up with everyone, which is good. One of the people I got to catch up with is my friend Iman over at Black Girls Brunch. I was so happy to get in touch with her or like touch base and sit with her because me and her are always on the same wavelength. And career-wise, it's just always good to talk to her because our thoughts are very similar and we kind of just click. So um, she definitely helped me put things in perspective. Like every time I like leave a conversation with her, like I feel motivated. Um, And uh, so that was good. Um, What else did I do? I cut that nigga off. It's like, no. (laughs) Am I kidding? All right. So while I was going... Partisan Fontaine dropped a mix, uh, a diss track to Megan Thee Stallion after her song Cobra mentioned the fact that he got his Peter Weeder slapped on a knob in the bed that she usually sleeps in, meaning his bed that she often sleeps in. He decides, and she also in the song discussed, allegedly, because I'm not reading these lyrics, she also discussed, um, you know, having a bunch of people around her and feeling alone, sometimes waking up and not wanting to be alive, you know, grieving her parents. Therefore, she um, drunk a lot. Um, just really buried her soul in it and realizing that there were people around her that really didn't want to see her succeed and that were feeding her, you know, excuse me, alcohol. So... Partisan 15 decides to write a diss about the one lyric that mentioned him. He wrote a whole three-minute song titled The Person, T-H-E-E, Person, um, in response to the one lyric that possibly could have mentioned him. And he discussed that Megan Thee Stallion got lipo and then posted gym pictures. Who the fuck cares? Megan Thee Stallion ain't never tell us that she didn't. She ain't never tell us her body was all natural, even if she did get lipo. Bitch, bitches get lipo every fucking day and their bodies do not look like Megan Thee Stallion's. I say this, I said this on this podcast before. 
you, when somebody looks good and they got surgery, you cannot just always attribute it to surgery. I say this all the time. Bernice Burgos had a BBL and got her breast done. But you cannot tell me her body looks good based off of that surgeon. Her body looks good because I used to follow her on Snapchat. That bitch work out, work out. Like, for real. Has a very strict diet. Works out. Like, for real, for real. Y'all not getting your bodies to look like her. Don't go to the surgeon and say that's how you want your body. Go to the surgeon and show little TT up the street that got her BBL and her arms still big. Yeah, that's how you going to look. Y'all not going to look like Megan. Y'all not going to look like uh, Bernice Burgos, so don't even try it. Make sure you show big arm TT when you want your BBL. Big arm TT with the uh, flat stomach and the big ass. That's what you going to get. So you can't shame a bitch like Megan for her for getting lipo when her body just looks like that. And I'm looking. That stomach is smooth as where I don't see a scar or nothing. I need to know who the surgeon is for when I hit the lottery, I can go to that nigga because baby, she looks the fuck good. Also, the lady is literally talking about wanting to off herself and yet you want to be like, but you got a BBL though. And it wasn't your bed that I cheated, cheated on you with. Oh, and um, you be talking shit about your friends to me. Baby, I'm pretty sure most of my friends have at one point talked some shit about me to the nigga they fucking. Like, are we about to sit here and be like, motherfuckers don't pillow talk? I, we could have had an argument that day and they would have went to home to their nigga like, she mad at me and da 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 She got an attitude problem, da 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 I don't give a fuck. I don't care. I don't care. Like, you think people about to stop me? Like, if one of my friends... Ex niggas be like, yeah, cause she be talking shit about you. It depends on that shit she talking. Like, if you telling motherfuckers about like what I'm doing physically, all right, that's weird. But I also won't feel like she told you nothing, and that's why a lot of people, I know a lot of people in toxic relationships where they men be going through their messages with their friends. That's why I'll never tell y'all nothing in text messages because I know guys that be reading their friends' text messages and then being like, oh yeah. She told me that you did this, this, that, and the third with this guy. She ain't tell you shit, bitch. You read that in our messages when you took her phone. And now you just want me, you're being a narcissist and you're trying to try, trying that triangulation shit so that I won't be cool with her no more. But I know how you niggas work. So yeah, fuck you, partisan. And I'm really mad about that because of the fact that I was a partisan fan. I actually like his music. I felt like he was like, oh, like, uh, a good guy for the girls today. Like, he fine. I felt like, all right, he ain't no fuck nigga. Like, da, da, da. and you is a fuck nigga. And that's the stuff that makes me so mad about him because about their whole situation, I can't, I want, if you're going to be a fuck boy, be a fuck boy and be that person. Be who you are in front of everybody. Be that person in front of everybody. If you're going to be nasty, if you're going to be mean, if you're going to be an asshole, you need to be a F boy in face face first. Don't act like the good guy. Don't act like the nice guy. Don't act like I'm here for women's empowerment. And then while somebody is at their lowest, you cheat on them. They say that you cheat on them. And then you're pulling stuff about them out to like out them. But you can't say she cheated on you. What you said was, she didn't disclose everybody she slept with prior to you, and she don't need to. 
She don't. Not everybody's about to give you a rundown of who they're dating. Or who they previously dating. Like, don't ask me no questions about nobody you ain't see me with. Don't ask me no questions about nobody you won't see me with. Don't ask me how many bodies I got. Don't ask me who I dated. It's none of your business. As long as you're not disrespected, it's none of your business. I'm not about to break that down. Sorry. Stop being a job. You need to assume that's like with everybody if that's the case. Stop trying to make friends with people that I'm around. Fuck boy. Like, you ain't say she cheated, though. And then he brings up his new girlfriend. So my son, you saw me with Jada Kingdom. Now you acting all Jada Pinkett. First of all, don't don't disrespect Jada Pinkett. First of all, she don't give a shit about that girl. And once again, once again, partisan, you are the man holding another woman's purse while she's in the limelight. Because Jada Kingdom is a dance hall uh, star. And I, I'm not big in the dance hall world. Like if I hear a little you know, reggae, dancehall beat, and it's good. I'm going to whine a little bit, but I don't really know about too much. So she probably a big-ass international star in that way. I don't know nothing about that lady. This ain't got nothing to do with her. But you, you go from riding one bitch's coattails to the next. And we got words for niggas like you. It gives homosexual vibes prior to you got rich. Speaking of, y'all, y'all know it's homosexual season. I like to warn y'all, don't let nobody stay with you. Don't let nobody in your house. Don't let nobody uh, stay the night. Don't let nobody leave a pair of sneakers. Don't let nobody bring that game over. Don't let nobody bring leave a toothbrush at your house. Y'all know what time it is. Motherfuckers need a place to stay, and it got real cold real quick in Philly. I don't know about where y'all all live, but don't let nobody move in on you. Don't do it. Don't don't do it. Don't do it. Wrong road. But yeah, I was really upset about that partisan thing because I really hate, I hate people that aren't forward facing. Like, if you got ways about you, be that way. Don't try to manipulate and act like you are here for women, that you're a good guy. Because honestly, I was fine with them breaking up because I just thought it was amicable. I feel like she went through a whole lot and I think she kind of needed to get rid of everybody around her and reassess who's really there for her and who isn't. And who wants well for her. And I think she needs to be on a journey of wellness. I don't know what it feels like not to have my parents. Nor do I know what it feels like to to have back-to-back deaths while I'm entering and skyrocketing into fame. That when I finally have everything I ever wanted, I lost everything I ever needed. I don't know what that feels like. So I'm not here to judge her. I feel like she's not a malicious person. And I have Aquarius friends. And I would be like, those are like good friends to have. Like Aquarius will be like, will move through hell and jail for you. You know what I mean? Very solid, very dear, very honest friends that really don't, that have a tough exterior, I would say, but a hard to go. Like I would never, I don't, I just don't see, I just don't see her being like a fucked up person. I think that they're also very easily, taken advantage of because all people do are are blood suckers and energy vampires but we talked about that in the past so fuck you party and fuck your new music with that i hope that album go double wood all right we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna save we're gonna save mr take that take that for the list because we'll be here all day and i won't get through no topics 
So in the last episode, we talked about Kiki Palmer and the issue she had with her um, ex and her baby daddy and about him being abusive. So sh- sh- go listen to that episode. But recently I saw a clip with her and Dr. Drew and um, it, re- it resonated with me because I kind of had this conversation several times over the last few weeks. And what she was saying is, how hard is it being compassionate, being a person that is compassionate and, excuse me, loving someone that is hurtful, harmful, or abusive, you know? And she was saying that, you know, she can understand, oftentimes she stays in situations because she understands what the person's traumas are and they understand who they are at the core and um, she never wants to, like, miss that humanness of them. But it's oftentimes at the detriment of her own well-being. And I have literally had that conversation so many times in the last month. Like, when I'm describing people, I'm like, you know, they're not a bad person. They're not a bad person. I understand them. I know why they do the things they do. I know, I know, I know. For different people. Like, I, I get it. But it's like, I don't know why they do this one thing. Like, I don't know why they are assholes, you know? Or, like, why am I always getting, you know, the brunt of their pain? You know what I'm saying? And I always be like, you know, it's just this one thing. It's just this, this thing. Baby, I at this point, I had two therapy sessions where I talked about this. And I am, just like what Dr. Drew said, you can be compassionate for somebody. You can understand and have empathy, but you can also create a boundary. And that's where I'm at in life. I will understand people. I know uh, uh, if I know like some traumas you experience, if I know some different things about you, we have had nice long conversations. If you have abandonment issues, trust issues, all of that type of shit, all different types of friendship traumas, relationship traumas, I can't understand it. What I can't understand is why are you disrespected and being harmful to me? And why do you feel like based off of those traumas, you get to disrespect me? And why do I allow it? Because I understand said traumas. I cannot do that anymore. For me to love myself and heal myself and my things, I am not a person that is without trauma. I am not a person that is not without different struggles. I genuinely try not to be nasty to anyone. I try not to project. I try not to, you know, cause any pain to anybody else or mistreat anyone based off what I've been through, you know? And at this point in my life, I expect the same from people around me. And if you are unable to do so, we are unable to keep moving forward. I can very well understand why you're a bitch and you have trust issues and you are nasty. I understand it. But at this point, I'm 33. Everybody around me is pretty much around my age bracket, right? Either younger or older. What I can't accept anymore is people not willing to grow. And I don't mean that everybody needs to go to therapy. I'm, that's none of my business. What you decide to do is what you decide to do. What you decide not to do is what you decide not to do. Everything ain't for everybody. 
talk therapy is not for everybody. Maybe you need a little something more. Maybe you need a little bit of religion. Maybe you need a diary. I don't fucking know. I'm not your clinician. However, you need to be willing to grow. Like, it's not cute to sit there and think that you get to be the way you are. You get to be an asshole. You get to yell, scream, and get mad with everybody. You get to act weird with people. You get to strike first before other people strike against you or that you can be manipulative based off the traumas that you've experienced. If you are no longer trying to grow, if you don't see, if people got to keep explaining you and lead it with, but they're such a good person. I just don't understand. Why do, why do people need to preface that when explaining who you are as a person? Like, I would be so embarrassed if somebody has to constantly say to describe me when people ask like, well, why are y'all still cool? Or why are you still dating her? Or why are you still friends with her? Or why do you want a relationship with her? It's we and they sleep with, well, they're a good person. She's a good person. She does nice things. She just been through a lot. Everybody's been through some shit. As a black person living in America, there is not one black person that has not been through some shit. Some shit is worse than others. But you don't get to treat people who did nothing to you like fucking shit on a log. You don't get to do that. It's not fair to you and it's not fair to them. And it's not fair to you because you deserve to grow. You deserve to evolve. And you deserve the amazing love, the amazing friendship, the amazing, the amazing familial relationships that people are trying to give you. You deserve all of that. But if you keep pushing and treating people as if they're disposable, you will never receive it. And when you are ready to receive it, it might be too late. These these people that have compassion for you and empathy for you, it might run out in order to save themselves. They might have to create a hard boundary in order to take care and love themselves. And it's not nothing to do with you. But if I'm in a space where I let the last person have me fucked up, that's the last person that's about to have me fucked up, and then you think that you about to come around and have me fucked up and still be around, no, no, no. Just like I got rid of them, I'm going to get rid of your ass too. Because once I got rid of somebody that treat me the way that you treat me, Oh, it's lights out for your ass. So it's either you get with the program and you figure this shit out and you step your shit up or we don't got to be cool. We don't need to date. We don't need to be friends. You don't need to be, you know, family. We're relatives at this point. It is what it is. You're not, I'm not for the bullshit. I'm just not, you know. And one of the other things that, um, Kiki Palmer asked Dr. Drew was like, how do you know you're not the bad person? And she was saying that like oftentimes she's looking for accountability and trying to figure out what she did wrong and how could she be a better person? And she was like, but I just don't know if I'm the bad person or not. Right? Like, and what to do. And he literally said what my therapist told me, the people that are like usually looking to understand or trying to take accountability of things that they have no control over are very rarely the people that are not right in the situation. Or there is usually no right or wrong in most things, but they're not the people causing harm. 
And when I heard that, I'm like, what? And I'm, she was just like, you try to look for accountability too much. <laughs> like, you don't have to be accountable for everything. And I'm a person where I have people please so much. I'm always trying to find a way to make me be the problem so that I can move forward. I can move forward if I'm wrong, right? Like, if I'm wrong, I, it's so very easy for me to be like, I apologize. I'm so sorry. I take accountability. Like, let's move forward. I can move forward if I'm the problem. It's very, very hard for me to move forward if you're the fucking problem because I can't control how you want to move with me. Once I realize that you are the issue, it's very easy for me to move around because I can't control nothing that you do. I can only control my actions, right? And if I'm trying to figure out I'm wrong and I'm not wrong in that situation, I didn't do nothing to you, but you continuously look for ways to fuck with me and my spirit, then I feel like you're an enemy. I feel like you're out to get a bitch. I feel like I'm your arch nemesis and I'm too dumb to realize it. <laughs> and you're kind of constantly trying to re-up on me because like Beyonce said, being a serial people pleaser, I look to make things easier for everybody. If like in a group project, if it's three of us, but it's four roles, I'm going to take on two roles because I just rather take the accountability because I don't want anybody else to be upset because they have to take the two roles. If in order for us to move forward, I had to be like, oh, yeah, well, maybe I shouldn't respond it that way. Maybe I shouldn't respond it that way. And then I move forward. I'm not longer doing it because I shouldn't... I. I don't have to respond to disrespect with a smile. Like, I don't want to do that. Like, no. So I definitely, that, that conversation definitely resonated with me. Um, I, I say y'all, you know, check that out. If y'all get a chance to check that one out. Now, do I talk about something petty? Or do I just go into the meat and potatoes? We're going to talk about something petty because this is some shit I can't stand. One of the things I severely, that just annoys me is when people attempt to act super saved or they'll try to act like they are without flaws. And because somebody else might be a little bit more of a hot mess, that they're better than them. And I can't stand it. I really can't stand the bullshit. I can't stand the projection. And this is the pot called, this is our little segment, the pot meets kettle. So we're going to listen to, um, so basically the neighborhood talk reposted a video of Alexis Sky on a podcast with Jay Hill. And she stated that, um, had some critique for Brittany Renner. Um, which is another model um, revealing that she has had sex with 35 people. So we're going to listen to what Alexis Powell had to say. I'm sure people got past 35. Brittany Werner, right? She was talking 35 bodies. I'm sure people got past 35. That's what I'm thinking. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's just be real. That's not nobody's business. But she might be empowered. But that's disgusting. That's like very just 
very nasty. bodies disgusting or expensive? No, I didn't say the 35 bodies. Saying it. Because half of the world probably has more than 35 bodies. Let's be real. That's what I'm saying. I'm, Let's, I'm we're going to sit here and act like, you know what I'm saying? We're not going to knock her for, like, like she's just a whore. Like, you know what I'm saying? Which, you know. But she might be a whore too, but who cares? Yeah, I mean, she, can be, she can be a whore, but I'm I saying. I was a whore too. I mean, I, hey, I just Listen, I don't judge her. nobody. I'm not judging her. I'm just saying that she can be a, like, just be a quiet whore. Just be quiet. Mm. There's no need to, like. I'm the cover for you. Just, but why are you telling the world, like, you know what I'm saying? That's nasty to me. It was acts. It's fine. Even if you had a hundred, like, even if you had a hundred bodies, that's not nobody's business. And I don't think that's even cute or tasteful for a man to even hear. What you do is what you do. Because, like I said, there's people that probably have more bodies than her. So we can't, who are we to judge Britney? I don't know her. I just don't care for the things that come out her mouth. And one of the things that get on my nerves about girls like Alexis Guy, and I talked about this before, I can't stand the marketing for Jesus and you're trying to change your ways so everything has to be pure and virginal and disgusting is the word she used. But like, I don't know. I, I don't, I feel like at one point you're trying to say, Oh yeah, we can't judge her. A lot of people other have a lot of people have bigger body counts than her. Thirty five is not that much. But it's disgusting to talk about because what man who the fuck get who the fuck says she care about a man at this point? And that's why I say it's that pick Misha stuff. You were literally sucking cucumbers at parties just about five years ago and deep throat and fucking cucumbers and plunging it into women's vaginas three, four, five years ago prior to the pandemic. Prior to the pandemic, you were literally fighting with your friend because y'all used to fuck with Offset and y'all were mad. You were literally have been seen and linked with multiple men, much like Brittany Renner. You were also a woman that was allegedly confused about who her child's father was. See, that's the shit where you pick and choose what's disgusting and what's tasteful and why you have to be a quiet whore or whatever you said. Because the, the fact of the matter is whether you're quiet or whether you a lie, a pig is a pig. You did what you did. It is what it is. So whether she own up to it and she not about to be quiet about it or have her man in the room or whoever and be friends with people that she possibly has slept with their men and everything else. Yeah. Cause we didn't forget them arguments you was having with Jada Wada and Ari and everybody else. When come to find out you was claiming that you was fucking these bitches boyfriends. So yeah, allegedly we're not going to do this. We're not going to act like your claim to fame wasn't your claim to fame. You're not going to act like there isn't video of you online doing sexual acts. We're just not going to do that, Alexis. The the thing is, you let that man bait you into a conversation about a bitch you don't know. And give your honest opinion. And the thing is, you a sneaky ass bitch. And you do the same shit she do. You just feel like you got to be quiet. Now, 35, 
I don't know. I don't know if that's normal. I don't know. It ain't my norm. You know what I'm saying? But I always say it depends. That respectability politics depend on who you're talking about. But what I can't stand is when y'all sit here and be like, oh, I changed my ways and now I'm women's empowerment and I wear white all the time and I dress like a church mom and I change my 35 millimeter lashes to 22 and I'm just so different. And instead of wearing heavy crease cut makeup, I now do a makeup, no makeup look. And I wear pants now. But I still don't wear panties. And um, yeah. So when I wear my church pants, some things jiggly, jiggly. Yeah. And Brittany Renner, she should be a quiet whore like the rest of us. Like, she shouldn't talk about the 35 guys she slept with. Yeah, okay. And I think also it's very misleading to the conversation that she has often had about when she was abducted and sex trafficked and the amount of men she had to sleep with. I think you're trying to, a, a number is a number. If that's her number, we don't know what that number is the reason why. She might have been trafficked. She might have did orgies. She might have included women. She might have had threesomes. Like, when y'all are often doing threesomes, because I know that's what the girlies do to keep their man, you are adding bodies. You're adding bodies, but like you can, if y'all are doing these sex clubs and parties and threesomes, y'all can get up to 35 real quick. You just need about five, six threesomes. You can get to 35 bodies real, real quick, boo. But I digress. Keep judging, and y'all gonna end up looking crazier than crazy when y'all fucking draws is put outside. Now, let's get into this meat and potatoes. Baby, so I've recorded the podcast November, the last episode of podcast I recorded in November 16th, right? That is 15 days ago. I recorded November 16th, baby. That night that I finished recording, all hell broke the fuck loose. And Cassie, the singer Cassie, me and you, Cassie, had literally filed a lawsuit against Diddy. And in the lawsuit, it says so many salacious things. I'm going to find an article from B. Scott because, baby, no matter of fact, this is from the New York Times. Sean Combs is accused by Cassie and rape and years of abuse in lawsuit. In the lawsuit, the singer says Mr. Combs, known as Puff Diddy or Diddy, subjected her to a pattern of control and abuse over about a decade. Mr. Combs vehemently denied the allegations. Sean Combs, the producer and music mogul who has been one of the most famous names in hip-hop for decades, was sued in federal court on Thursday by Cassie, an R&B singer once signed to his label who accused Mr. Combs of rape and... She was also his girlfriend. Of rape and repeated physical abuse over about a decade. In the suit filed by the district court, federal district court in Manhattan, Cassie, whose real name is Cassandra Ventura, who had a long had long been Mr. Cohn's romantic partner, says that not long after she met him in 2005, when she was 19, he began a pattern of control and abuse that included supplying her with drugs, beating her, and forcing her to have sex with a succession of men, a succession of male prostitutes. 
while he filmed the encounters. In 2018, the suit says, near the end of their relationship, Mr. Combs forced his way into our home and raped her. After years in silence and darkness, Ms. Ventura said in a statement, I am finally ready to tell my story and speak up on my on behalf of women. Sorry, I am ready to finally tell my story and speak up on behalf of myself and for the benefit of other women who face violence and abuse in their relationships. In, in response, a lawyer for Mr. Combs, Ben Brathman, said, Mr. Combs denies these offensive and outrageous allegations. For the past six months, Mr. Combs has been subjected to Ms. Ventura's persistent demand of $30 million under the threat of writing a damaging book about their relationship, which was unequivocally rejected as, as blatant, blackmail, blatant blackmail. Despite withdrawing her initial threat, Ms. Ventura has now resorted to filing a lawsuit riddled with baseless and outrageous lies aiming to tarnish Mr. Combs' reputation and seeking a payday. A lawyer for Ms. Ventura said the parties had spoken before the, the suit was filed. Mr. Combs offered Ms. Ventura eight figures to silence her and prevent the filing of the lawsuit. She rejected his efforts. Ms. Ventura's case is delayed in a series of sexual assault civil suits filed recently against prominent men in the music industry, including Steven Tyler of Aerosmith and executive L.A. Reid and Neil Portnow the former head of organization behind the Grammy Awards. Um, Mr. Portnell has denied the accusation. Mr. Tyler and Mr. Reed have not responded. Mr. Combs, 54, found Bad Boy in 1993 and became one of the primary figures in the commercialization of hip-hop, working with stars like Notorious B.I.G. and Mary J. Blige. His net worth has been estimated at as high as $1 billion, and last year Forbes calculated Mr. Ohm. Mr. Combs' annual earnings at $90 million, attributing to the, large, the amount largely of his former partnership in the liquor brand, Ciroc, that is owned by the Spurs giant Diageo. I don't know how to say that. It's in another language. Um, Mr. Combs, who is in his career, has variously been known as Puff Daddy, Diddy, and Love, maybe the most famous music executive of his generation. But the suit depicts Mr. Combs as a violent person, who beyond repeatedly assaulting Miss Ventura asked to carry her his gun asked her to carry his gun in her purse and the suit suggests he was responsible for blowing up the car of a rival suitor. They're saying that that's Kid Cuddy. In one incident, the lawsuit says Mr. Comb dangled a friend of Miss Ventura's over a 17th floor hotel balcony balcony. Allegedly, the rumor is that it was Wale. And naming additional defendants. The court papers assert that others who worked with Mr. Combs had helped him to control Ms. Ventura at times by threatening her with retribution, like suppressing her music if she did not obey his orders, or by helping to conceal his behavior. The suit which Mr. Combs and a number of his associates, companies, and his defendants seeks unspecified damages. According to Ms. Ventura's suit, she was swept into Mr. Combs' jet set lifestyle not long after meeting him and signed with the it was Bad Boy Entertainment, which released her debut album in 2006. But the suit says he soon began to assert an extraordinary level of command over her life. In addition to controlling her career, he paid for her car, apartments, and clothing, and even had access to her personal medical records. Included to the suit, the results from an M MRI scan she had for memory loss possibly caused by drug use 
or by a bee, and she said she suffered from Mr. Combs, went directly to Mr. Combs. Mr. Combs also provided Ms. Victoria with copious amounts of drugs, including ecstasy and ketamine, and urged her to take them, the suit says. Often became violent, beating her multiple times each year. The suit says Ms. Victoria never went to the police because she feared it would merely give Mr. Combs another excuse to hurt her. In one incident in Los Angeles in 2009, which is interesting because that's when Diddy saved Chris Brown and let him and Rihanna go to his house in Miami. But I digress. In one incident in Los Angeles in 2009, the suit says Mr. Combs became enraged when he saw Miss Ventura talking to another talent agent, then pushed her into a car and kicked her repeatedly in the face making her believe. According to the suit, Mr. Combs then hit his staff, bring her to a hotel room to recuperate for a week. She asked to go home to her parents, but Mr. Combs refused, the suit says. The suit says that after seeing the violent repercussions of rejecting Mr. Combs and the instance to which he would isolate her from her support network, Miss Ventura felt that saying no to Mr. Combs would cost her something. Her family, her friends, her career, or even her life. And though she tried to leave Mr. Combs, the suit says he sent his employees to lure her back. Oof. Let me take a sip. In one incident described in the court papers, Ms. Ventura says that in early 2012, Mr. Combs grew so angry about her dating the rapper Kid Cudi that he would blow that he said he would blow up the rapper's cars. Rapper's car. Around that time, the suit says Kid Cudi's car exploded in his driveway. Through a spokeswoman, Kid Cudi confirmed Ms. Ventura's account that the car had exploded. This is all true, he said. A few years into Ms. Ventura's relationship with Mr. Combs, the suit says he began to coerce her to engage in a fantasy of his voyeurism, in which she was direct- directed to have sex with a succession of male prostitutes while Mr. Combs watched, masturbated, took photos, and shot videos. According to the suit, Mr. Combs called these encounters freak calls, which involved costumes like masquerade masks and lingerie. They continued for years, taking place at high-end hotels across the United States. Child, that's when the trafficking uh, charge come in. Child. And at Mr. Combs' home. The suit says that he instructed Ms. Ventura to search the websites for es- of escort services to procure men, male sex workers. Drugs were supplied at these events, which Ms. Ventura's suit says she took because they allowed her to disassociate during these horrific encounters. According to the suit, Ms. Ventura would delete videos from these incidents that had been shot on her phone. But Mr. Combs told her that he still had access to those videos and on a flight once made her watch a video that she thought she deleted. The suit says that as a result of these sexual encounters in different cities, Ms. Ventura was a victim of sex trafficking. The suit also accuses Mr. Combs of sexual battery, sexual assault, and violation of New York City's gender-motivated violence law. Ms. Ventura's suit includes several counts of her unsuccessful attempts to escape Mr. Combs' Control and one example, the suit says that during a freak off at also remember this is the New York Times reading this, so this is legit. And one example, the suit says that during a freak off at a Los Angeles hotel in 2016, an intoxicated Mr. Combs punched Miss Ventura in the face. 
giving her a black eye. He fell asleep and she tried to leave the room, but Mr. Combs woke up and followed her into the hallway where he threw glass vases at her, sending in glass shattering throughout the corridor, according to the court filings. The hotel's security cameras captured the incident, but the suit says Mr. Combs paid the hotel $50,000 for the footage. The court filing says that in 2018, after Mr. Combs and Ms. Ventura met for dinner, he forced herself into her apartment and he raped her while she repeatedly said no and tried to push him away. After that, the suit says she left him for good. Ms. Ventura married Alex Fine, a personal trainer, the following year and now has two young children. According to the complaint, her association with Bad Boy ended in 2019. Ms. Ventura's case, like other sex recent sexual assault lawsuits, is being brought under the Adult Survivors Act, a New York law that allows people who say they were victims of sexual abuse to file civil suits after the statute of limitations have expired. The one-year window to bring places under this law ends um, ended Thanksgiving Day. The law is cited in Ms. Ventura's complaint and in a statement she addressed its importance. With the expiration of New York's Adult Survivor Act approaching fast, it became clear that this is an opportunity to speak about the trauma I have experienced and that I will be recovering for the rest of my life. By B. So, after that come out, um, Diddy settled the lawsuit with her by Friday evening and pay her undisclosed amount of money and settle the $30 million lawsuit. So, if that don't tell you that there's some proof in that pudding, I don't know what will. So also, I'm going to play this video of this woman. Um, she's a lawyer. She's on another podcast. I'm going to play this video of her speaking on it because I feel like it gives a good understanding as to why he settled and um, I think it's interesting. So attorney Simone Redwine breaks down how Diddy's sexual assault also targeted his business. Um, what podcast was this on? It's the Houston Poor House, Poor Horsemen pod she was on. So we're going to listen to what Ms. Sim attorney Simone Redwine got to say. As a secret. Hey, let's talk. They didn't sue just Diddy. They sued his corporations. They sure did. And they sued his corporations and sued as her, in her capacity as an employee. When you do that, it triggers commercial liability insurance. Yeah. And it triggers another policy called directors and officers. Okay? And we know he's a director Correct. of these companies as the CEO. So now you got two policies. What happens then is it takes away Puppy's ability to settle. It's not his choice no more. So it's no longer personal accountability. It's yep. his organization. It's his organization. And it's no different than like if you hit somebody with your car. Mm -hmm. it, let's say you have State Farm. Mm -hmm. State Farm gets to decide to settle, not you. You could say, I didn't run the stop sign. That's not true. They're lying. If State Farm says, we don't care. We did our investigation. We're settling. That's it. That's what happened here. So because they, add, they added those claims, the corporate insurance carrier got to say, read over and say, oh, hell no, we're giving her the money. We're hearing you. Um, Diddy's public reputation is done. It's done. Yeah. And if he wants to be able to leave anything to his children, he needs to walk away from all of these corporations. Damn, he, got, he can no longer be the, the head of his corporations. 
Well, remember, didn't I say directors and officers liability? Yeah. More than likely, what will happen is those insurance companies, they have the ability to say, we won't renew your policy if he continues to be a director or officer. They didn't sue just Diddy. They sued his corporation. They sure did. And. Okay. So you can see as to why she was settled. He was settled. The shit that she. People. What bothered me about this. I'm going to just go pull it back just a bit. What bothered me about this. I feel like everybody feels like they're lawyers. And they can understand. But y'all also have no understanding. Y'all are constantly looking for ways to victim blame. And that's because we are still raised in a patriarchal society, which birthed a whole generation of pick me bitches. And with that being said, I'm going to go in on you hoes and it is what it is, right? So number one, when I first read it, I said that's the smartest shit she could have done because I remember when Kim Porter died, they were broken up. I remember the blocks were saying that him and Cassie were broken up. Then Kim Porter passed away. The rumors surrounding Kim Porter are very leery and very airy and very scary. And I don't really, really know for sure if I should talk about it yet, but just look it up. Look it up on TikTok. They're going to talk about it. Um, And maybe in a future episode, I'll uncover the things I do know. But from what I understand allegedly from the death of Kim Porter, it may have been allegedly because she was going to write a a book. She was writing a book about him and she had hid where everything was. And that there is perhaps other copies of said book around the world, but they're too scared to put it out. Diddy is a very powerful man, not just monetary wise, but like influence wise. And if I was a Kim Porter, if I was a Cassie, if I was whoever, I would be very scared to, you know, speak against him with the knowledge that I have. So when Kim Porter passed, I remember Cassie came back around and then she disappeared again right after. And she popped out with her man and her boyfriend, right? One of the things, I was like, damn, like, how, what happened with them? Like, what, what she's not going to talk about, right? You also have to keep in mind, we ain't never see Cassie talk. All right, so boom. When this comes out, I'm like, damn, she probably missed the statute of limitations because she was still controlled in that relationship. And when I say controlled in that relationship, I saw a lot of people be like, so she couldn't leave and she wound up marrying this man. He let her marry. She probably had to play nice for a very long time she probably dealt with so much shit for a very long time when you think about it all right we all have jobs right imagine landing close your eyes while i'm talking imagine this imagine landing your dream job your dream career making you know all your dreams that you worked hard for all the sacrifices that you had come true you are assigned the be- the best of the best of places where you could go. So if you're a, a nurse, you got the best assignment. You got the best salary. You have the best of it that you could ever get. And your family is so proud of you. And you are making enough to help your family, your poor ass family, right? Then you're just innocent and naive and you're going and you're meeting people in whatever facility, you know, field that you're in, you're moving forward. So now 
you're not just a nurse. Let's say you are a nurse to the top plastic surgeon in America. So that means that for eight hours a day, five days a week, bitch, you're making high six figures, right? And you know you are making this and you are doing it, honey. And there is no other place to work that is better than what you got. And you signed a contract to work for the job, a non-compete contract for the next three years, let's just say. Then the your supervisor, the person who owns said company, that doctor you're working under, he likes you. He wants to be with you. And he pursues you, although you got a boyfriend. But you feel like, damn, I got to be nice to him because I don't want to lose my job. Well, now I got to be in a relationship with him because this is a good-ass job. He's putting me in rooms, and I'm meeting people, and it's nice, and he has this control. And he lets me know that no matter what can happen, I signed an NDA, and I signed to work for him for the next three years of my fucking life. And... He put me on a board for his uh organ his nonprofit. So I'm contractually obligated to them for another 10 years. That's what happened to Cassie. Not only was she signed to Bad Boy, she was signed for a Tim album deal. Now y'all fucking tell me, I like Cassie little music here and there, but y'all tell me that y'all had she's that fucking talented that any record label would tie this bitch down for 10 albums. Be very fucking honest. Be completely honest. Not only that, we have seen Erratic Diddy. We have seen it, and we have seen that this bitch don't talk for real, for real. When I first read this, and just be how quickly they moved, how efficient it was, and how specific, because mind you, there is like 10 pages of that lawsuit that we, the public, are not allowed to read. I have also seen videos of people that read the documents, and there is so much stuff that is within that alone that it makes Diddy look super bad, just in the lawsuit. And I know I had the debate of why she didn't press criminal charges, statute of limitations. Civilly, and I think people just don't understand how law works, you do realize that, if I file civilly against somebody, a jury of my peers can be a part of that trial too. It's not just criminal charges. Civil charges are in the are in the public. Their public record is like literally you look that person up and you can see that they were soft, soft charged civilly. If I charge my doctor for medical malpractice, that is a civil law. That's a civil charge. I can get money from that doctor. If I can prove that they did something to me that ruined my life and now I need my money from them. Yes, that is still on on paper. You can see it. You can look it up. It is a charge just as well as a criminal charge is. When she filed civilly, the goal is to put this on wax and get the money. When they approached him, they don't just want the money in, from him anymore. When they sued him civilly, that means they want it on record of the shit that he did to her. By him suddenly, he's admitting that in some way, somehow, something about that lawsuit that she provided is one, either valid 
or two, not worth the headache of him going back and forth. Because more than likely, she's going to win regardless. And he'll be out of more money fighting these charges. And if this would have been dragged on for months and months and years to come in a trial, that means it gives Bear an opportunity for more witnesses to be involved. So then it can become what? A class action suit. That means several people can join in on that lawsuit and receive money based off of just the fact that Cassie is the closest person to him. And whatever she says is probably legitimate because not only did she charge him, she was a bad boy employee. You know how fucking smart that was of her lawyer to not only charge her for their personal relationship, but that as his employee, he violated her time and time again. Imagine how you're going to sue that job that you said that has hostile work environment and that you feel unsafe at work. You can sue them. They will settle with you. If you have legitimate concerns and legitimate things that is documented in real time, you can sue the pants off that job. So they'll probably settle with you for $25,000 or whatever the fuck you're looking for, depending on, you know, what you're asking for, because they don't want that shit out. Diddy, her charging him civilly, charging not only Bad Boy Entertainment, charging him, I think she charged his liquor brand, she charged several different things, his publishing company, all shit to do. So yes, she made him liable. And what I thought when I first read this, I said the 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 federal I said the feds are in on this. She is is protected by the feds. You cannot tell me she's not a federal informant. You cannot tell me that this is we are about to watch Surviving Diddy. And one of the first things that they do in cases like this is start crippling them financially. So whatever she settled for, she might have got that 30000 or because of the fact he's trying to settle so quickly, that bitch probably, if I was her, I would have upped that bitch to a hundred. hundred million. Fuck it. <laughs> At this point, you don't want this shit to be out. I would have upped that bitch to a hundred million. Yeah. Okay. Because regardless of the fact, we might not ever see her speak on him again because, you know, NDAs and things like that are a part of those lawsuits. But her words will forever live on in that lawsuit. That is a 35-page lawsuit. 10, of, 10 pages in which we cannot read. Listen, whatever they say he did, he did that shit. But this is where my problem comes in with a lot of people. It comes in in the victim blaming. It comes in when you guys say, oh, well, she was a participant for a very long time. Like, so it's a problem now because she gone. She left him. She left him. We not, if she's saying that I was addicted to drugs and y'all say, oh, she willingly took the drugs. Bitch, everybody do pills in here. If the, if you are under the pressure of being signed to a 10 album contract with a powerful man, because if she is the fear, that's what quit pro pro, that's with sexual harassment, it's the fear of not not only not working this job, but not getting any other job. Crippling. You see people every day 
that stood on um, their word and their morals and decided to be poor, right? That's not everybody's dream. And yes, did did she really make a decision or was a decision made for her and she tried to make the best of it? See, y'all only see addiction when it's your auntie that's uh, turned out on a on a corner. You don't see addiction and you don't see um, trafficking when it looks beautiful and it's pinned up and they're living a better life than you. You don't relate to that that way. So yeah, she left and she got free and she's away from him. And perhaps these lawyers approached her about some shit she cannot refuse. And because she filed that lawsuit, he cannot even, nothing can happen to Cassie without going back to him. There's literally nothing that can occur. And not only that, imagine you know the shit you know about him. You possibly know the shit that happened with him and his uh, baby mama. And that bitch ended up dead. And nobody, he's not even a suspect. Like there is, she had two autopsies. One autopsy is stated that it looked like complications of pneumonia. This other man is a private, um, he does private autopsies for celebrities. He was hired by Kimberly Simmons, allegedly. And they he allegedly stated that it was foul play and allegedly homicide of how she died. Allegedly, 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 because, you know, I ain't got to pop the piss in the window, throw it out for these people to see my black ass. But yeah, he winds up dying quickly um, soon after. He was in his 70s, so who knows? So yeah, there. that's where fear tactics come in. That's when he is at the AMAs and he went, or billboards, whichever one he won at Icon Award, and he thanked her and Kim. That's where I would feel like that's a motherfucking threat, bitch. You're letting me know that you are so powerful that I can't touch you, me or this bitch that you killed, allegedly, can touch you, or possibly, rumors, you know, allegedly. I don't know that to be true, but I would feel that way, right? Then it was uh, the the thing like, oh, y'all always talking about when men date older, when men are older and date younger women, it was acceptable back then. Just let's say things, two things are right at the same time. A lot of shit has been acceptable in our past. A lot of things were acceptable that are not, that should not have been. Just like, you know, y'all telling young girls not to sit on their uncle lap instead of getting rid of Uncle Johnny, that's a fucking pervert, but still inviting him to the events. That was accepted, but it should not have been. That does not make that shit right. Just like, you know, your son that sit there and beat on his motherfucking wife and kids and have kids all over the place and you invite the side bitch kids over. It's accepted, but that does not make that shit right. Right? It's a lot of, two things can be true at once. It could have been acceptable back then for young girls to date older men. But that does not mean that was right. I dated somebody that was older than me when I was a teenager. That don't make that situation. Just because I did it and just because I didn't think nothing of it at the time didn't make that shit right. That does not mean that this person that was grown was super into me and I was so motherfucking mature 
that he looked past my age. It's accepted because most girls were dating older guys. But once I turned a certain age as the, the person I was dating, and I realized, why the fuck would I date a fucking teenager right now? That shit look weird. That shit sound weird. I would never date no fucking teenager. And I'm my twins. The fuck? And that's when I had to do some evaluating. Is it okay? Or was that what? And at that point, some shit just is, it was acceptable back then. Slavery used to be acceptable too, but that don't mean that shit is right. And a lot of people got rich off of slavery, including some black people. But that does not mean slavery was okay. Two things can be be, be uh, right at the same time. Stop using that fucking logic based off of, oh yeah, this was acceptable at the time. So the fuck what? Diddy was in his fucking 30s and that bitch was 19. He was damn near 40 when he was dealing with her. That does not make it right. And scratch the fake of the age difference. That was her fucking boss. Her boss. And he signed her to a 10 album deal. Y'all just, just because y'all glamorize certain shit and you accept certain shit and you grow up being very male identified does not mean that shit is right. You have no, you were raised that way, so it's hard for you to get out of it. But that does not mean that it is, it is okay. Two things can be right at the same time. It can be acceptable. You know what I mean? Touching bitches' ass willy-nilly because you think their ass is fat was acceptable for a long time. But as somebody with a fat ass, you touch me, I'm beating you the fuck up. I'm beating you the fuck up. Don't touch me. I don't give a fuck what was acceptable back then. It was also very acceptable for people to do quit pro pro, which means, oh, yeah, I'll give you this raise if you suck my dick or whatever else. That was very much acceptable back then. That is how a lot of people were able to move up in the world. Or I can't let you get a promotion, John, until we all see you do a line of cocaine because this is the bro circle. This is the winner's circle. So you need to do cocaine because we. this is the brotherhood. That's how we move up in promotions in the world. Yeah, that does not mean that was acceptable. That means it's okay. Hazing used to be acceptable, but that does not mean it is okay. It's illegal now for a reason. It is illegal to fucking date teenage girls. It is, on a, it, even though the girl was 19, it is odd for a 37-year-old man to be interested in a 19-year-old. Let's be fucking honest. Let's stop saying it. And let's stop talking about, oh, she was... She was okay with it. You don't know what that fucking girl was okay with. Because I look like, she looked like a scary girl. She looked scared. Every time she talked, she looked scared. She looked like she couldn't even think for herself. Like, let's be very serious. I know she is beautiful, and I know y'all think that people sleep their way to the top. But she didn't get that very far. Let's be very honest. Let's be completely honest. Cassie is a beautiful woman. But is she a singer for real? Like, is she saying damn? No. Can she dance her ass off? No. Does she have star quality, star presence? No. 
she's a girl, beautiful, gorgeous woman that is pretty much a wallflower. You tell me if that if he wasn't doing the shit he was doing, and if he didn't have this interest in her, let's see how well you would have known her. Let's see how much he would have been interested in her had he not been able to do the things that he did. Let's see how long she would have stuck around if there wasn't this contract and everything else looming over her head. Or let's see if he was helping her family. I have been around or know of women that have accepted a certain amount of disrespect based off the life that they live. There is literally somebody out here who is dealing with a lot of disrespect because a nigga is paying for their family members' uh, medical treatment. They are literally sacrificing their soul to save someone else's life. We have heard about stuff like that. You never know the circumstances in which someone is taking care of others. You just don't. And and it goes back to that shit where I was saying earlier. It's the pot calling the kettle black. It's the victim blaming for me, and it's the disrespect. Let's be very honest. You don't always have to be a pick-me. You don't always have to have the devil's advocate as personality because the devil, the devil never needed no fucking advocate. Just say that the opposite of right is always the, the side that sides with men. And you're just male, male identifying. But, like, y'all have to get off the internet with the bullshit because Cassie don't know you and she might not see your comment. But your cousin that's in the same situation dealing with a whole lot because a nigga done showed up at a fucking hotel room she was hiding out at that she used her friend credit card to book and he showed up with a gun to her head and told her if she told anybody he was going to kill her. She sees your messages and she realized you are not a safe place. And y'all just remember that shit. Everything ain't got to do with money. A lot of shit just has to do with power and you dealing with somebody that's absolutely fucking insane. Anyway, we're going to get into the glow up topic. So I had watched... Um, in totality podcast with Megan Ashley. She is a pot a new a new podcaster, I guess. She has a podcast on her own now. Um she was best friends with B Simone and the comedian B Simone. They had a podcast together. They had a falling out and stopped being friends and stopped doing a podcast together. When they stopped doing a podcast together, um they had this episode and basically, they were just saying that um, B. Simone no longer wanted the friendship and they were trying to figure out where they were going to go. During that time of recording, it's been stated that Megan Ashley was going through a divorce of her longtime husband and boyfriend that she started dating when she was in like high school. They had three sons together, one being 13. So you can imagine the type of time they have been together and you imagine divorcing a man like that. And she spoke about realizing that she's in a wilderness season, meaning that she's doing the best she can. It's not fun. It's not sunny. It's very cold. It's very sad. It's very um, shallow. It's very just not a good time right now. 
And that during this season of her life, she realized that everybody could not be there for her or be around her. And she could not move on their time of when they're ready for her to heal. And for me, I feel like that's a deep conversation to have because I feel like oftentimes people can only be there for you when the shit is salacious or when it first happens. People, it's like when um, a family member passes and leading up to the funeral and the day of the funeral, everybody's there, everybody's calling, everybody's bringing you food, right? But after the repass and after you go home, half of those people you won't hear from. A few weeks from that, some of those people that say that you can call me anytime, they're tired of hearing about it. They want you to get over it. They want you to mourn. They want you to heal. They're ready to talk about something else because their attention spans can't go that far. But when you are not ready to move forward, grieving, sadness, disappointment, all of that is just reoccurring. I can have a great month, but if I am still grieving and I am still hurt, it might be one thing that can trigger me and I'm down for a couple of days. Not me personally, but naturally. You know what I mean? You don't get to choose when people can be sufferable enough for you. And you don't get to say someone's insufferable because they are not able to bounce back to the person who they were before they experienced such trauma or grief. I feel like every time we experience something in life, whether good, bad, or indifferent, we don't get to go be back to the person who we were prior to it happening. And you don't get to say that you're someone's friend and you're there for them when you are rushing them to get through the things so that you can do the shit that you want to do. If I'm the fun friend that likes to party and I'm a good ass time, but I experience extreme trauma, I'm going through a very dark time in my life. I don't have the capacity to always be happy and be fun and be loving. I'm often saying I can't get through it. I'm doing the work. I'm in therapy. I'm going to church. I'm trying. I'm journaling. I'm doing everything else. But some days are just really fucking rough. And I'm unable to come around and be happy and smile to to appease you. Or I can't stop being sad because you told me not to be sad. You might not be the friend that that person needs in that moment. You just might not be. But in that, in that breath, take the accountability that, listen, they're going through a lot and I'm just not good in that type of space. Don't blame them because you are unable to have the capacity to be there for them. It is not their fault that they are sad, that they are hurt, that they are traumatized, that they are grieving, and that they are not moving at the pace and what makes you comfortable. It is not their fault. You don't want to be around. You are incapable. And that is a you thing. That is what you have to take accountability for. It is not their fault that you are unable to be there and pour into them. 
you say, listen, I'm so sorry. I'm not good at this type of stuff. You know, I'm just going to fall back a little bit while you were going through that season. It is then up to them, not you, to want to be around you again. And it is not up to you to decide in what capacity that you want to come back around them. You might just be a distant friend. They might grow further into their relationship with somebody that was able to be present for them. Or just respected the fact that they're just not going to go back to the person they used to be. You don't get to dictate that. And oftentimes, as we grow up, and me and a friend was just talking about this, oftentimes a lot of us became friends due to proximity or or holding in on relationships due to proximity. You're close because you're related and you grew up together, right? So y'all are able to be close and good, good friends, good sisters and good cousins, right? And good friends because you grew up together, you were raised like sisters, blah, blah, blah. You were raised to stick together, right? That's why y'all are close, right? But if you are unable to be there for me when I need it, then what does that closeness that we was raised on mean, right? Because now we can't delve deeper into the relationship and we can't keep moving forward because only our relation to each other matters. So outside of our relation to each other, you're unable to really have compassion for me. You're unable to be there for me because we're only together based on our relation to each other, right? If we were friends and we became friends because we went to the same school, we worked at the same job, we went to the same gym partner, we read the same books or whatever it is that made us bond and you call me your best friend and I'm going through it and I'm struggling and it's not moving fast enough for you, you have to sit with the fact that you just don't want a deeper relationship with me to understand what I'm going through. And that you actually, rather we keep it light because it's too much for you to handle. Right? That's a you thing. As long as the person that's going through the season is not projecting, not cussing you out, not being mean to you, not doing anything to you, but being fucking sad and trying to push through for the next day. What fucking issue do you really have? I'm sorry. I'm a happy-go-lucky bitch. I have, I try to see the light on things. I try to have fun. I kind of usually bring the vibes around people. I usually try to smile and keep shit moving forward and trucking along, you know. That's usually who I am as a person, right? However, if we get to a situation, if I ever go through something traumatic and my eyes don't shine, my smile not as bright, don't give up on me and don't be mad at me because I'm not who I used to be. That person is gone. That person ain't go through with the shit I just went through. So you don't get to pick and want to be, to be that bitch. I ain't her no more. She not me. She's gone. Cause she didn't experience this shit. I did. You know, sometimes you have to separate in your order to come together but if you separate and you no longer like in a B. Simone and Megan Ashley part, once you do that, you created a distrust. 
So when this girl gets out of her wilderness season, she's going to look around at the people who didn't give up on her. The people who breathed life into her the way that she brought, she breathed life into them. And it's very often the people in which when you were good, you were breathing so much life and speaking so much life into them and you were showing up and you were doing this. Those are usually the people that are unable to give it in return. And it's just fucking unfortunate. And I think before you call yourself um, anything to somebody else, boyfriend, girlfriend, best friend, cousin, sister, brother, um, that's my people, my favorite person, blah, blah, blah. You really need to think if you can be with them during a time when they can just not be happy. Where they could just not always want to joke around. When even when they smile, there's a glint of sadness. You have to realize you can have to be around those if you can be a friend to them. And if you can't, allow the adjustment to happen. Allow them to lean on those that they can. Do not get mad when they're no longer leaning on you. And sometimes you have to understand it comes, maturity has to happen in a friendship or a relationship in order for it to grow. We cannot no longer be friends because we go to the same school, work at the same job, and we like the same color. That's not how shit works. Or because we like to have fun and we joke around and we crack each other up. Because there might be days where I'm wearing a motherfucking thing funny. And you're going to have to deal with me when ain't shit funny, when I feel like ain't shit funny. The same way you would deal with that person you in a relationship with. The same way you'll do with that. Because I know a lot of, I have more female listeners, so I'm going to talk to y'all. The same way you don't want to give up on that nigga when he's insufferable and when he's sad and mad and you want to stick with him. Think about that, but in your friendship. Because if you got the capacity to be a girlfriend and lay up with somebody that's insufferable, you got it in you to call a friend and just let them vent or allow them to smile with sadness, allow them to have moments of despair or quietness. You can spare that as long as they're not being nasty to you, as long as they're not being mean to you, as long as they're not projecting on you but they're just dealing with their shit, then yeah, you got that capacity. I think you'd be all right, you know? And if you can't, I think you need to be honest with yourself and understand that's a you thing, not them. But I hope this podcast, y'all enjoyed this week's episode. Uh, Remember, we are reading before I let go for the month of November. Catch up and read with it this week. Um, I will be posting a link on my Instagram of when we're, where we will be meeting on December 3rd to discuss the book. Also, the December book will be announced next week. I'm pretty sure we're going to read the same book for December and January and meet in February because I know the holidays are coming up and folks is busy and we might not got time to read as much as we want. So December and January, we will be reading a book and we will discuss it in February. Okay. All right, thank you. And make sure that you um, email justletitgoapod at gmail.com for any business inquiries or if you have any questions you would like to answer on this show. I love you all for free. Thank you for listening to me every week. And um, make sure you tell
tell this podcast to a friend and tell them and tell them and tell your uh, whoever, tell your therapist so they can refer this to people too. All right. I love you guys. Bye. Hey guys, don't forget that our November Read and Glow Book Club Book of the Month for November is Before I Let Go by Kennedy Ryan. And let me tell you guys, the book is so good. I can't wait to discuss it with you all. Remember, December 3rd at 8 p.m., we will be meeting to discuss and talk about the book. Also, in the meantime, feel free to reach out about what book you would like to read in December. Can't wait to read with you guys. See you soon.